Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henning. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about stalking laws in Nebraska and January is Stalking Awareness Month, so it's a perfect time to learn a little bit more about stalking. Um, We'll talk about some statistics, um, some famous cases, some different things. And uh, today, Erin Wetzel, one of our associate attorneys, is here with me. Hi, Susan. Hi, Erin. And this is our first podcast recording in 2022. We've kind of been on a podcast recording break. So. Hello, 2022. I hope it's better. <laughs> right? Um, I've already been guilty of uh, dating something 2021. I haven't been terrible at that. It's probably <laughs> because I'm so excited to be done with 2021. Yeah. I still even was doing 2020 oh. at the end of 2021. So I probably, uh, and, and today I did wake up and say, what day is it? I'm still in that mode too. It's not as bad as last week. I feel like that time between Christmas and New Year's, it's so hard to keep track of what day it is. I I think the week between Christmas and New Year's should just be like declared a no work week. I agree. Like nothing serious should happen during that time. Like no major decisions, nothing crazy. It should just be like extra family time or getting ready for the new year. Can we tell the Supreme Court to close all the courthouses in the state for the week? Uh, yeah, let's do that. They didn't even close them for the pandemic, so I doubt they'll do that. Ugh. So are you a person that makes New Year's resolutions? I used to be for several years, but this year I haven't. No. And I, w- I was really good at it. I had a few years in a row before I had kids where I would make a New Year's resolution and I would do it for the whole year. I had like three or four years in a row where I did that. Is that the one where you like were like no sugar or whatever it was? Yeah, like no sugar, no pop. I'd give up like drinks from a coffee shop. Fast food I did one year, made it the whole year. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think I started it in like 2013, 2014, and I did it for about four years and then I got pregnant and had kids. So <laughs> yours were more like New Year's restrictions instead yes. of New Year's resolutions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was I was really good at it. It was kind of like, a competition with myself. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very competitive. Yeah. Well, and I think it, I remember you doing some tracking, like you were doing tracking, like on your phone of one of your resolutions, like writing down everything you ate or something like that. That was yeah. a good one. I do that for a while sometimes. And then I kind of fall off of it and I really should do it because it's helpful. But I made a really funny new year's resolution one year, but it was really awesome. You want to hear what it was? <laughs> sure. It was, when I'm in a public bathroom to check to see the stall had toilet paper before I like closed the door. Literally, I had to tell myself this and it worked. Did you, did you have a, a problem with that on multiple occasions? Well, okay, so every office I've ever worked in has had a public bathroom versus like a private one inside right. the office. So it, you know, I was using public restrooms during my workday all the time. And I would, so especially when I was at the courthouse. Oh, when God. my office was in the in the courthouse, there was no private bathroom. So you're using a bathroom that like anyone in the courthouse is using. And they were consistently out of toilet paper. There's no private bathrooms within the public defender's office? They, when they expanded after I left, they had oh. one bathroom. Oh. It's not like a, a, where you go in and there's multiple stalls or anything. It's one bathroom. The bathrooms at the courthouse are all so old. Yes. It's like you go, you never know which, because you can't keep track of which stall on each floor because they all look the same. You'll go in and I swear every single floor has one stall that has the door missing. Oh, yeah. And then most of them don't have the hooks in there. Yeah. Half of them, the door doesn't close right, so you can't like lock it all the way. Some of them, the door is like the same height as the toilet. So like your knees are showing if you're sitting. Yeah, they're so old. And then the the hand towel thing doesn't work. The hand towel thing doesn't work. There's 
A couple where like one of the two sinks doesn't work. Yeah. There's no soap. Yeah. It's it's horrible. It is. They need to renovate all of that. So maybe another New Year's resolution could be make sure you know where all the good bathrooms are. Yes. <laughs> In the courthouse. I'll peek through the the little open between because when the door's open you can't see if there's a hook right right so I'll kind of peek through the little opening to see if there's a hook in that stall before I go in because I hate having to put my work bag on the floor yeah it's just gross um I do tend to go in judges offices and use their jury bathrooms yeah I do that too yeah um and some of them are almost like public because they're pretty close to the front door of the judge's office and they don't really care if you use those, I don't think. So, um, I have not made any new year's resolutions this year. Um, I am starting a new gym, but that's not like new for me. I'm just switching from one gym to another gym. So we'll see if it's super crowded, like the January new year's resolution people thing. I don't know. Maybe it won't be as crowded because of COVID and people not wanting to go out with that. I don't know. Yeah. I heard the number numbers yesterday were the highest record number of positive tests in the whole state yesterday. Oh it, was my like, gosh. it was like it was like eleven hundred people it's in like, one day. I feel like this is five years of going on this instead of two. It or isn't whatever. five years. It feels like I know. I just opened a new pack of masks too, like the surgical ones, because they're saying don't wear the cloth masks. They change the rules all the time. I know. It's so hard to keep track. It's impossible. So speaking of rules, there are stocking laws, right? Right. (laughs) And they're in all 50 states, D.C., U.S. territories, federal government. Whereas it, you know, back in the 90s or whatever, this was kind of a topic that people didn't really understand. And victims really had to fight to get those laws on the books in different states. And I think that comes with like the wave of recognizing that domestic violence in general, like as an overview, is is its own kind of separate crime. You know, even though domestic violence isn't actually a crime, like it's not like I'm convicted of domestic violence. Like you're convicted of assault or stalking or a protection order violation, but it has that umbrella of it happened because these people were in a relationship at one time together or currently in a relationship. And that was like not really thought of as bad or it was less reported or whatever it was that people weren't really paying attention as far as crimes in law enforcement. Right. And stalking really most of the time goes hand in hand with domestic violence a majority of female, specifically victims of domestic violence, have been stalked by their abuser. Yeah. I think this uh, little fact sheet that I have in front of me says 76% of victims have been stalked. Um, So the majority of stalking victims are people who have been stalked by former or current partners. Yeah, And then there's another large chunk that it's stocked by somebody that you know. But there is a small number, too, that gets stocked by people that they've never met or that they don't know. So let's let's talk about what stocking like how has Nebraska defined stocking like there's a definition of what is stocking in Nebraska? What's the crime? Right. So anytime I'm telling people about definitions of laws here, you keep in (laughs) mind that there's the one definition, and then you have to go into the further definitions of the words within the first definition. Right. And that's exactly how it, the statutes are with stocking. Yeah. So we have the first statute that defines what stocking is, and it's any person who willfully harasses another person or a family or household member of such person with the intent to injure, terrify, threaten, or intimidate commits the offense of stalking. And then we have another statute that defines some of those words within the stocking definition a little more specifically. Yeah. I think the important part here to remember, too, is that there's an intention to scare the person, threaten them, intimidate them. Um, you don't actually have to harm them, but there's an intention to to scare them. Right. And I think that's a problem sometimes with stalking victims is, when they report things, 
I sometimes if they're reporting it to a person who doesn't really understand what the laws are, they tell them, well, we can't help you because they haven't done anything to you. They haven't hurt you. Right. And that's not true. And, you know, in prepping for this, some of the behaviors that we're learning about for stalking, some of them don't really look that bad. Um, you know, like sending someone flowers, sending them text messages, sending them letters. Yeah, I mean, that might not technically harm the person, but if there's a history between the people of unwanted communication, you know, and then that then that person continues to text the victim or send them things that can be a form of stalking and unwanted communication. Right, and when we're talking about harassing, the definition of that is specifically a willful course of conduct which terrifies the person. So it's not about what some other person thinks of this text. Yes. Because you might see one text that this person receives and not think it's a big deal, but when you look at it within the course of conduct, all of these other texts and sending flowers and putting something on their car out in the parking lot, showing up outside their work, you know, you have to take all of that into account yeah. and realize that it's what that individual person is experiencing, what not what another person thinks of one or two things that have happened. Right. It's very victim specific. Yes. Um, and we, we were talking too that, you know, Aaron and I are the attorneys at the firm that do criminal defense. And we have, we were thinking, have we ever defended someone on a stalking charge? And I don't think either one of us has. I think I've heard of a person who was charged with it once. I've talked with a person, but uh, I haven't defended anybody. Yeah. We were saying, you know, it's more common to see somebody charged with violation of a protection order or trespassing, a disturbing the peace, yeah. something like that. I Because I think a lot of times... The actual act of right. what they did that is the course of conduct. Right. And I th- if if the person who's being stalked knows of the resources out there, hopefully they're a person who has gotten a protection order. Yes. And that's a lower burden to get a protection order than prove a criminal charge. Right. Right. Um, so if that person then continues that behavior after the person, the victim gets the protection order, it's a lot easier for cops to charge the violation of the protection order than a stalking charge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these things that you're doing, like if you're trespassing, you know, you're going by the house, you're going in the wind, you know, onto the property, looking in windows, leaving things, you know, inside the house. I mean, some stalkers can go inside people's residence or workplaces without permission and that's trespassing and that's part of stalking but the trespass is easier to prove right so right i actually listened to a podcast earlier this week about this woman who was murdered um i want to say it was early 2000s and she had been stalked by the child of a former romantic partner. Oh, wow. When she Mm. was with this romantic partner, this child had kind of become obsessed with her and was trying to emulate things that she was doing um, and was taking personal belongings from her. She eventually cut off the relationship, and this child eventually became an adult and continued following her around. And this all started in the 90s, back when you know we had that problem of people not really recognizing what stalking was. And I don't know if she even necessarily recognized it since it was this child of a former partner. Yeah. And in you know early 2000, she eventually goes missing. Oh and her daughter tells the police she had been stalked by this person who is now an adult and had caught him outside her house with personal belongings that had gone missing, like underwear and stuff like that. And so the the cops see a a picture of this person, and they realize that when they had been searching the house the day before when her body was found, that this person had been walking up and down the sidewalk while they were searching the house. Oh, my gosh. So they decide to 
make the house look as if it's dark that they're done with their investigation and they kind of set up this sting. Okay. And he strolls down the street, walks up to the house, and uses a key to get inside. Oh, my. So he somehow, during this course of stalking, had gotten a key to get in the house. Wow. And they figured out that that was how he had gotten into the house and murdered her, and he eventually did get arrested and convicted of her murder. Hmm. Wow. And in Nebraska, to, to talk a little bit more about the law, too, if if you violate a stalking law, um, if you're charged with it, it's a class one misdemeanor unless there's a couple things like the but if the victim is under 16, then it's a felony. If you had a deadly weapon at the time of the crime, it's a felony. And deadly weapon is also defined later, just like stalking and harass, harass and family member and all of that is defined. Right, because it could be more than what you would think of. Like, yeah. it's not just a knife or a gun. Right, it, it could be a lot of different things depending on the manner in which it's used. Right, um, and then another way it can be a felony is if the person has had a prior conviction under the same section or a substantially conforming criminal violation within the last seven years. That's pretty broad. That is. So I wonder, you know, if a person gets charged with stalking and in the past seven years they had been convicted of um, domestic violence assault, you know, if that would be substantially conforming. I think sometimes that language is meant to cover convictions from other states. So if a person uh, was yeah, convicted of what would what we would in Nebraska would call stalking, but maybe they call it some type of harassment in another state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the other interesting thing about getting this charged as a felony is they say that they can charge it as a felony if the conduct that they're charging for the stalking is also in violation of a protection order. Which is interesting because we just talked about how we more likely see violations right. of protection orders. So I find it interesting that we haven't seen somebody charged with both the violation of a protection order and the stalking as a felony right? because it's in violation of the protection order. So I, maybe it's because a lot of times when we see the violation of the protection order, they they typically arrest somebody after they do it once, Right. Uh, yes, I think they do. I think, I, I don't think you're just going to get a ticket and say, oh, show up at your court date. I think you're right. going to get arrested and have to, but people can post bond right. and get out um, and be able to violate again or commit continue to commit crimes. Right. And I have had cases where I've had people who are charged with multiple charges of violating a protection order. Right. You know, I've had once one time where he was charged with four different charges of that. So at that point, would that equate to stalking or are they still just looking at it as the the single violations and they don't want to make that argument that everything together amounts to stalking? Yeah. As a course of conduct. Yeah. Well, and you're aware that when county attorneys are looking at what to charge, of course they're going to charge what they think is easier to prove. Right, yeah. So it's kind of the same thing where a lot of times we see, you know, in a shooting case where the victim doesn't die, they charge first-degree assault rather than attempted murder. Right. Because it's easier to prove the assault rather than prove that somebody was trying to murder somebody and it just didn't work. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So And maybe that's why we haven't seen a lot of these stalking cases is, you know, there's something about the actions that they feel they can't for sure prove stalking, but they can prove the other things, you know, the, the protection order violation or the trespass or the damage to property or assault or whatever it might be. Right. But then that makes me think maybe some of our county attorney's offices need to get more training on this topic and, and make themselves more comfortable with it Right, Because if we're not seeing people charged with it, that might be preventing some victims from coming forward and reporting it because it kind of goes in line with that, you know, that the thought process of 
am I going to report this because nobody's going to take me seriously? Right. right. So there probably still needs to be training within county attorney's offices and with the police of recognizing these behaviors and what it is. Right. So that they can, because what's the point of having a statute if it's not being used properly? Or used at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you can't tell me that they're not using it because it's not happening. It's, it's right. definitely happening. Yeah. Well, and, and, that kind of goes to the next thing that we were going to talk about is like these famous cases, right? We we see it all the time. You hear so and so, you know, some famous person has been stalked by, uh, you know, this person. They just showed up at their home and they get arrested. Well, then the police uncover multiple different contacts that have happened over time, either in person, mail, email, through you know the celebrities' um, staff that. That happens, and you we really hear about it when something bad happens, usually, and that's right. where somebody gets killed, or the person is, you know, in the home, and they get arrested. Right. I mean, that's when you're hearing about with these celebrities, usually, is when these stalkers show up at their house and are arrested at their house. Um, and then, like you said, it comes out that these celebrities have been stalked by this person for a significant period of time, had tried getting protection orders against them. Um, and, and when, once you actually hear some of the facts, you're like, wow, that is so disturbing. And like, it's clearly stalking. And right. It's, I don't think anyone would say, oh, oh, that's just a trespass or something right. like that. Well, when we were, you know, looking up some of these celebrity stories, you know, I, I came across this story about Gwyneth Paltrow and they said she's been stalked by the same man for over 20 years. That's horrible. And he's been arrested multiple times. And, you know, kind of with her story, which falls in line with some of the other stories that I've heard of just average people being stalked, you know, sometimes these stalkers will take a break for months, for years even, and then all of a sudden they come out of the wood, the woodwork and they start stalking this person again. They're in jail for stalking somebody else, Aaron, during that time, probably. Probably. Or a mental hospital. Because, I mean, a lot, I mean, that's really what this comes down to is is mental illness, usually, I would think. Right, yeah. I mean, I think with a lot of these perpetrators, it's not surprising to find out that they have stalked other victims mm-hmm. or that they've had multiple protection orders taken out on them, you know, former romantic partners or, or whatever. Uh, so. Like the Kira Knightley story. I mean, that person, so the story that Aaron and I found is, Kira Knightley and her husband and her daughter were living in, uh, you know, living somewhere, and they, the, her stalker was coming and meowing through the mail slot, over and over and over again, and like trying to probably get their attention, get them either draw them out of the house, get them to open the door. Um, I I don't know if Kira Knightley had a cat, but <laughs> well, that was sh- surely some pretty uh, interesting tactics well and when you hear that right your first instinct is to laugh because that sounds so ridiculous somebody comes to your house and meows through the mail slot yeah but and that goes in line with our it it, it's about the the effect on the victim right what other people don't know is she had had other contacts from him he had been contacting her by letter email trying to reach out to her showing up at her house so while that sounds funny on its face that must have been terrifying to her yeah and you know it says in here too that he had also sent her a usb flash drive with music about cats and so while it sounds funny obviously this person has some mental health issues yeah if he's one doing the stalking and two that's what he's doing and so you know sometimes you see people in the media or um you know just pop culture trying to make fun of some of these things and it's it's not it's not funny to people who are victims and who've actually experienced that well and in in also this idea of this cat theme this guy was going on he also in some of his words of some of the things he wrote to her was saying that he was the devil that he was the public executioner he had sent her some topless fo- photos of topless girls so i mean there's like a lot more to it but no one, right. everyone's just going to hear about this meowing part and be like come on that's not that bad i mean sure it's annoying but right. it's not scary whereas you know I think someone walking up to your door 
opening, if you have this mail slot, opening that and like trying to get your attention, that is scary. Yeah, I think any person, even if there hadn't been all of the other stuff going on, I think if you were in a in a house, and especially if you were in a house by yourself and that happened to you, yeah, and you didn't know who this person was, you'd be terrified. Yeah. I, you know, and I think in past podcasts we had talked about like the Jodie Foster thing and that yes. was and that was in the like late 80s, early 90s. Uh, no, I think it was earlier than that. I think okay. it was early eighties. Um, because she was quite young. Oh, she was young. a child. She was, yeah. I think she was in college at the time. And her stalker ended up killing or shooting at Ronald Reagan, right? Right. Yeah. John Hinckley. Well, and I think you could probably argue that he ended up killing somebody because he also shot Brady. Right. Who, you know, lived all this time and just recently passed away, but passed away from and it can be linked to those injuries so technically they could go back and charge him with murder now I don't think they're going to because I believe he was um, sentenced to a mental health facility yeah but he had been stalking Jodie Foster yeah and he he did the assassination attempt on Reagan because in his crazy mind, he thought he would impress her by doing that. Yeah. And that it was like his, quote, love letter to her. Oh, it was an 81. Yeah. Wow, were you even born? No, I was not. <laughs> yeah. I, apparently, he was just released from all of his restrictions because they said he's mentally stable now. I th- yeah, I think he was released on parole, but he had all of these continuing restrictions for mental health stuff. And then it was, yeah, j- that he finally got released off of all the restrictions because they said he's better. Yeah, wow. Which is what happens when you are found not guilty by reason of insanity. Yes. You, you don't go to jail. You go to a mental health And you don't facility. go free. Right. You, you basically are in a mental health facility until you are no longer... A danger right um you know and another thing that we were going to talk about as far as stalking that's a little different than these people who are showing up at people's doorsteps and you know assaulting people is like cyber stalking and that's a newer a newer part of you know law enforcement with stalking because of the electronic access to people through texting email social media contacts and you know we see this we see unwanted contact through you know electronic means even in divorce cases you know right. someone will in the middle of the night send you know 10 or 15 you know hate hate texts to someone um that they're going through a divorce with right you know and with the cyber stalking when we're stalking when we're talking specifically about stalkers um, that don't make their identity known to the victim. If the stalker is good enough, they can use the online platforms and different um, things to hide their identity. Right. And then that causes even more problems for stalking victims because you know police either don't want to devote the resources to trying to figure it out or sometimes if the stalkers are good enough, it's almost impossible for authorities to figure out who these people are because they can use all these means to hide where they're completing these actions from because right. you know you can go on these websites that makes it look like you're in a country in Europe when in reality you're sitting in Omaha Nebraska in your house right doing all this stuff and some of the things we uncovered about cyber stalking are are pretty scary because you can um you can go onto public forums and you can get other people to help you. Yeah. Um, you know, scare this person or pass along informa- this fake information you maybe have created about the person. Or in this instance where people have been in a intimate relationship with someone and now they're broken up or they're breaking up. For whatever reason, people like to have pictures taken <laughs> and there's all these pictures and then that person uses those pictures to, you know, they publish them and then they can get those out there. And that's a form of, of harassment and stalking too. Right. I, I actually had a client on a protection order recently that had broken up with this person 
and he did not want the relationship to end. And that's what he did to her. He started threatening her that if she didn't start talking to him again, he would send these pictures to family members, employers, whoever. She refused to talk to him. And that's what he did. He sent it to all of her family members. And luckily, her family was very understanding and supported her through all of it. But, I mean, he was showing up at her place of work. He was driving by all the time. He was sending her countless emails and Facebook messages, and she would block him on something, and then he would just find another way to contact her, set up another email. And so it was just constant harassment. And sometimes, even with social media, they they can have a fake account that looks like, you know, like in your instance, it might look like one of her friends. Right. Um, You know, because people can copy social media accounts easily. And you can, I mean, you can spoof things. I think we've all had spam emails that we've received that spoof it to make it look like it's coming from a person you know, whether it's just by putting that person's name in there or even getting as detailed as making it look like it's coming from that person's email address. Yeah. I mean, we get emails here in our spam all the time where it's it says to me that it's coming from Tracy, and it's yeah. like, could you help me with the task real quick? Yeah. And I know it's not from her because yeah. it's worded in a way she wouldn't word something, or she's down the hall and she would just come and ask me for something. Yeah. The um, the other thing too with the photos is you can Photoshop, right? So even right. if that person doesn't have actual photos of someone, you know naked or whatever they can find a photo online photoshop your head or your face onto it and threaten you that way and send that out and you know people may or may not the receiver might not be like oh this isn't really Aaron this is photoshopped you know they it does it does the harm is done it doesn't right. matter right um so that's that's another really scary thing and and I think something that we see a lot when we hear about cyber stalking is the person is generally pretty tech savvy. You know, like maybe they do it for their job. They know how to put tracking devices on people. They know how to turn things on on your phone when you're not even aware of it. Like, you know, when you hang out with someone, you pass, you're like, look at my phone, look at this picture. And, you know, you get up and leave your phone on the table when you go to the bathroom or whatever. And someone might be doing things on your phone you don't even know about. Setting things to alert them. Right. So... Um, I had just heard this morning on the news that one of the uh, models for Sports Illustrated swimsuit um, edition had gotten one of those Apple tiles or whatever attached to her coat when she was out in public and someone was following her. That's terrifying. I know, right? And (coughs) Apple had put in a measure where if it's not your account that set it up. So like, you know, I ride bikes. People's bikes get stolen all the time. Sometimes people will put those tracking devices on their bike in case it gets stolen, and then it's attached to their account. Right. So Apple has notified her and said, hey, there's this tracking on you, but it's not attached to your account. You know, we're making you aware in case you weren't aware, and that's what notified her of it. And then she searched her coat and found the little sticky thing on there. Jeez. Yeah. And then it's like your mind would just, like for her, like she has to now think of like who is this person that put this on me? What yeah. was their intention? Yeah. Like cuz it you Did know Did they put it on more than just my coat? Right. Like maybe it's on my purse, on, you know, whatever. Right. And you're thinking, so is this like maybe a crazy paparazzi person who just wants to get me in an area to take a picture that no other paparazzi would have access to? Or is it something extreme where this person wants to follow me and hurt me? Right. Another thing we talked about, and and you you brought up a really interesting um, thing is, you know, sometimes people think this is really like cute or romantic or sweet, and you know, even in certain movies, um, the the person says, "I don't I don't want to be with you anymore," and they break off this relationship, and the other person does like these grandiose, awesome, romantic gestures, which. The person said, I don't want this. And then we're all like, oh, that's so sweet. And then they like fall for them. Right. Like they romanticize some of these stalking things. Yeah, And I think, you know, whereas everybody looked at that, like you said, as romantic before, 
now that people are becoming more in tune with some of the psychological abuse that goes on with domestic relationships, it's gotten that phrase of love bombing. Yes. Where these abusers will come in and they love bomb and they do all this affectionate activity and all these grand gestures to make this person that they're pursuing think, wow, this is such a great, fantastic relationship. Yeah. And then once they actually get into the relationship and kind of hook them, then it turns. And that's when they become, you know, controlling and abusive. Well, and, and we see that in cycles of domestic violence all the time that right. when the person says, I'm done. They try to break it off. The person love bombs them with affection, flowers, you know, all sorts of great attention. And then the relationship continues and then it deteriorates. And then the person tries to break it off again. And then they get love bombed again. And it's like this huge cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it just to steal Matt's line. It's only romantic because the person ended up they ended up together. Right. Or it's only cute or whatever. Well, and it's it's kind of interesting to see some new entertainment that's coming out and showing some of this stalking behavior. Um, I I don't watch the show. I never watched Sex and the City, uh, but there's a new show that came out, like a continuation. Um, And I was reading an article about how um, after Big dies, that Carrie starts basically stalking his ex-wife. And I was reading this article, and it was Wait, showing these okay, lines. Okay, so I watched Sex and the City. <laughs> I haven't watched the new release yet, and you just told me Big Dies. That's been all over the news. I I know, I know. Well, okay, so to, to reverse a little, back in the old, the original Sex and the City, her and Big get together and break up. Like, I don't know. He is a terrible person. She should have never ended up with him, my opinion. But... <laughs> Yeah, well, this article... She, she stalked his wife back then, yeah. and she fell down the stairs and, like, broke her teeth out. Yeah, that's what they brought up in this article, yeah. that she had done it in the previous yeah. show, and that they argued that Big probably actually was doing some of that stuff to Carrie, too. And so they said that, you know, that falls in line with stalkers yeah. that, you know, she did it before, and now years later, here she's coming back and doing it again, that she's confronting her and basically acting like she deserves to talk to... Big's ex-wife when his ex-wife has said leave me alone I want nothing to do with you and that falls in line with stalking where the stalker believes that they are entitled to a relationship to this contact to communication to the victim acknowledging what they're doing yeah so the old episodes you know Carrie was not yet hadn't quite made it you know she was living in a rent controlled brownstone and a lot of her meetups with big would be he would pull up in front of her brownstone when she was walking home from an evening with the girls and he'd be in his limo or his town car and he'd roll down the window and she was like having a good time with her girlfriends walking home thinking what a great night I just had with my friends you know a a girl's night out and he'd roll down the window and be like you want to come over and it was like and, and she had was just getting over him and then he would show up and he was like this knight in shining armor in his limo and she would get swept up and go back with him. And it was, she's a very flawed character. Yeah. Very that's, flawed. I'd say that's stalkery. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's very hookup culture. Right. Like, just show up at the end of the night and be like, hey. Right. You know. Or the other show we were talking about, You. Yeah. Uh, so I've, watched the first season I haven't watched the next two I watched it originally it was on Lifetime and then uh, Netflix bought it out after that and has done the next two seasons and anybody who watches that show knows that the main character Joe is a stalker it is like obvious from like That's the, the first, premise of the show yeah the premise of the show is that he is this stalker and he sees this woman in this bookstore where he works um, and decides he needs her, he wants her, and he starts doing whatever he has to do to get her. Mm-hmm. But there's some criticism of it still that even with as crazy as he is, they still make him kind of the hero in kind some of ways. Likeable. Yeah. And they make him likable, even though he's crazy and he's weird. Because, you know, the, the, excuse me, the actor who plays him, 
Penn Badgley. He's very likable and he's a good looking guy. Yep. Um, so there's been some criticism of that show too, but that, you know, other, that's another thing in, in main culture, entertainment, pop culture that talks about the stalking stuff. And the stalkers are always like very traditionally handsome, the men, you know, they're like very, like people would have a hard time denying that person's good looking. Right. They fit that kind of like JFK junior handsome role. If, if you want to listen to... A podcast that talks about stalking with just your average person. Um, there's the podcast that I listen to. It's called Strictly Stalking. <laughs> each each episode each week is a person being interviewed who's been stalked, and it's people. Sometimes that you know, it's not Very all former. Average. Yeah, some of it's like people who are stalked by neighbors and just all mm-hmm. this harassing behavior that the neighbors do, and. You listen to each episode and you think, I, I thought I wouldn't hear another crazy thing. And it is insane some of the things that these people have had to go through. And they set up, so the little trailer for you on on Netflix sets it up as, what would you do for love? Like, oh. um, that, l- let's be clear, stalking isn't love. No. If you love someone, you wouldn't stalk them. Exactly. You, you would do the opposite. If you, it's... If you love someone, let them go. If they don't want to be with you, don't stalk them. Right. Oh, that's so disturbing. It seems so easy for us to say, right? But right. It's, it's, I mean, we're making light of it a little bit, but this is very serious and we understand that. But, you know, it, when we talk about these things, there's a certain subset of people that just behave this way and think this way and think these things are okay. And, you know, always the concern is with a stalker, are they going to continue to escalate the behavior? Right. Is it going to go beyond just letters or whatever? Because there's that statistic with women who are victims of domestic violence and specifically murder victims. It's like 76% of them had been stalked by this person prior to being murdered. And there's actually a very famous case here in Omaha where stalking led to murder. And it's the case of Carrie Farver. You know, she was murdered by... The oh, ex yeah. of a guy she had been dating for only like two weeks. And then that ex who murdered her started, like, took over her identity and started stalking the ex boyfriend yes. in an attempt to get him to take her back by pretending that they were both victims of Carrie Farver, who it, she had actually murdered. And it went on for years before. Yeah. Police finally took Carrie's family seriously when they said, yes, we understand that she's been reaching out to people on social media and by text, but we're telling you it is not her and nobody has physically seen her. She was like considered a missing person, right? Yeah, they, for, they for can, years. So she lived in a small town in, in Iowa, but worked in Omaha and that's how she met this guy. Um, his name is Dave. Dave Krupa? Yes, Dave Krupa. And he actually does one of these episodes on the Strictly Stalking podcast. Um, and so her family reported her missing in Iowa, but cops kind of wrote them off because they said, well, they're still getting these communications. Yeah. And then in Omaha, this Dave and then his ex-girlfriend, now current girlfriend, who was actually the one doing all this, were reporting it to cops that... Carrie was the one stalking. So people, the cops in Omaha were investigating it as if Carrie was the person who was doing all this. But they were very confused because they thought anytime this stuff happens and we go to try to find her, she's never around. Like, how is it that she always evades us and we can never find her? Right. So after several years of this, these cops in Iowa finally decided to look at it closer and one said I'm going to look at this case as if she's a, that she's missing something happened to her and that she's not the one doing this and the other one said I'm going to look at it as if she is the person who is doing this and the person who was looking at it as if she was still alive and doing this hit a hit a brick end pretty quickly yeah and so that so then they kind of turned it on this her name was Shanna yeah Shanna Liz Goyer uh, they kind of turned it on her and set her up and, and made it seem as if they believed her. And then she, at that point, she had started to get jealous of Dave's baby mama. 
<laughs> and so she, she started trying to frame her for it, and then they basically caught her in the act because she she fell for this story that they told her that they believed her that this baby mama was now the one who had done all this. Well, and interestingly, I mean, Dave was a victim also in this, right? Because he was getting these messages and not know and thinking they were coming from one person when they were actually coming from someone else. And he was getting the messages like all day, yes. every day. And he was having his apartment broken into, you know, like his car would get spray painted. Um, this this Liz, who did all of this, she set her own, her own house on fire to make herself look like a victim and killed a bunch of her own pets. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. Did she try to make it look like Dave did it? No, she was oh. making it look like Carrie did it. Oh, okay. And then she would send texts from Carrie's phone saying, like, I uh, did that. Um, confessing? And then she she tricked Dave, too, to the extent that she would use these apps to set up delayed texts. And oh. so him, Dave and her would have a plan to hang out that night. And so she would set up this app to send out texts to both of them when she knew they'd be hanging out. So he never had any reason to suspect Liz because he'd right. be like, I'm hanging out at my house watching a movie with Liz and her and I are both getting these messages yeah. from Carrie. And she would say stuff like, oh, you're watching a movie because she knew they planned on watching a movie. So yeah. then he'd think, oh my God, Carrie's like looking through my window. Yeah. And all the while she's dead. Yeah. Was she the woman that they found in the barrel? No, they oh. never found her body. Um, what... So they found her car. Her car showed up a couple months after she first went missing in the parking lot of Dave's apartment. And so he called the police and said, her car's here. So they towed the car or whatever. And then after uh, they started suspecting more about this Liz and they kind of set her up, they got her to write an email purporting to be from the baby mama saying, I murdered her in, in her car. So oh. then they found her car and they ripped it apart and they found blood all over the passenger seat. Okay. And then they had also found a, like a mint container in the car with an unknown fingerprint, which later turned out to be Liz's fingerprint. And then after they had arrested her for murder, the cops went back to Dave and said, do you happen to have any other electronic devices that we haven't looked at? And he was like, oh, yeah, actually I have this old laptop that Liz used to use sometimes when she was over here. So they they gave it to, Dave gave it to him. So this is while the case is pending before yeah. trial. And then the cop doesn't even really think anything of it. And then one day just thinks, I should probably take a look at it. And they realized that Liz had taken like a little SIM card out of her phone and left it in the laptop. And they started looking through it and they found a photo of what looked like a decomposed leg and it had Carrie's tattoo. That was, Mm -hmm. okay. Because I knew there was a tattoo identifier thing. Yeah, so the the but they photo had her tattoo. Found... Nope, they still to this day have never found her body. Wow. Huh. So to kind of wrap up a little bit, that is like a really extreme right. case of stalking. But it doesn't have to be like that to be considered stalking. No, and it's kind of the lesson of why you need to take it seriously when it's not that extreme so that it doesn't get to that point. And I really like this tagline that National Stocking Awareness Month, the organization that's putting this on, says, and they they say, know it, name it, stop it. So we've tried to kind of say, like, here's what stalking is so we know what it is and we can put a name to it. Like, unwanted contact of any kind, even if it's not face-to-face, is stalking. Right. And, you know... Hopefully people know that they're, you know, whether a person gets charged with actual stalking or they get charged with something else, that's a step in putting, putting that person, stopping that person from continuing. Right. And my advice is that you yourself, if you feel uncomfortable with something, take it seriously. Don't brush it off. Don't tell yourself that you're being crazy about it. Right. And start documenting everything. Yeah. You know, keep a log of everything that this person does, even if it seems minor, because 
If it does get more serious to the point where you need to report it, then you have the documentation of everything to show the cops that it has been this course of conduct and it's been going on long enough and it's serious and something needs to be done about it. Sometimes even, you know, people say this, if if you're talking with a friend and they say, that doesn't seem right. Because sometimes you're clouded because you have had a relationship with this person. You're not the best person to analyze your situation. But if you and I are talking, you know, we're eating lunch and I tell you some things that are happening and you're like, geez, Susan, that sounds, that sounds weird. That sounds unusual. Like that's also a a way to document is to tell someone else and then trust their gut if your gut is not quite there yet. Right. Because you do hear that in some of the stories where the the person who's been dating this person or whatever t- is telling the story and thinks it's a weird quirk or yeah. oh they're they're just doing it because they care you know like the controlling behavior or yeah. whatever and a friend can tell you like that no that shouldn't be what's happening you don't deserve that right right so some good takeaways if someone's in this situation or if you know someone and they tell you like this is what my ex is doing you know Help help make them aware that it's shocking and not it's not okay. Right. And if you're a man who's experiencing this from the woman, it's okay to report it and yeah. it's okay to be uncomfortable and be scared of it and keep pursuing it even if people try to downplay it because the person doing it to you is a female and trying to act like you shouldn't be scared of a female. Those situations can obviously be scary too, just yeah. like the story about Carrie Farver. Yep. So uh, we're going to continue with some more information about stalking awareness on our website, in our blog, on our social media this whole month to help people know more about stalking, more about resources for victims, more about the laws, more about cases. So check out our website, check out our social media. Um, I know we posted a, a really great post at the beginning of the month on our Facebook page. And um, again, know it, name it, and stop it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Ref Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.